Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's workshop featuring Steve Nicholson with a program entitled, Why So Many of Your Ideas Failed to Launch. I'm Jim Muntz of Nicholson Dealer's Edge. If you're at all like me, you study your business and your market with great care, and often you come up with idea, an idea or a concept that is sure to pay off if only you can get your team interested and willing to execute. But resistance to change will almost always doom these ideas to the scrap heap. They'll end up right along with the other ideas that just failed to launch. Today's speaker should be familiar to most of you, so no long introductions. But Steve Nicholson is the right person to coach us on how we can overcome these roadblocks to improvement. Steve is the co-founder of Nicholson Dealer's Edge and has been focused on improving dealership net profit for over 34 years. In his consulting with dealers, he's worked with more than 8,000 dealers, general managers, and sales managers to improve their businesses. And he's trained more than 20,000 automotive salespeople. His clients include some of the most profitable dealership organizations in North America. Steve's a trusted coach to scores of auto dealers, and his observations about the industry are always right on target. With that, here's Steve. Thanks a lot, Jim. Uh, welcome, everybody. We've got a big crowd today. And, uh, uh, you know, as I look back on my, as Jim said, my 34 years or whatever of trying to help dealers and being an executive coach, there's, there's probably one thing that is more in common with those that struggle uh, than anything else, and that's in this whole world of execution. So today I'm going to take in the next 30 minutes or so, give you some ideas, not only on what causes it, but some of the things that are in common with those dealerships that seem to execute better than others. So this whole thing starts is you're really asking yourself the question, is your dealership or your dealership group not growing as much as you'd like? Well, I think most of us are going to sit back and say, well, you know, we can always do better. And, and, I, and I get that. The, the, the question really isn't uh, that I'm doing poorly. The question is to get better. What is it I do? What's that, what's, that, what's that silver bullet? What's that roadmap to continued success? Well, you know, one of the things is that there, there's a lot of resistance, as we all know, to doing things differently. Uh, and there's many reasons why we continually kind of stay in the same rut, kind of stay in the same uh, sales mode. Uh, but one of the most common ones that we find is that a lot of dealership cultures uh, simply fight change. It, it's just easier to do things the way we know how to do them. I don't have to worry about failing so much. And I'm going to continually just get uh, uh, better and better. One of the challenges as a dealer or an executive manager or as a GM is that people don't, you know, I was going to say rarely, but I think probably never, you know, say, you know, boss, that's a stupid idea or boss, we're not going to do that here. Uh, so, so they disguise it, you know, like the monkeys, you know, see no evil and hear no evil and uh, what is it, speak no evil to. So it, the, the challenge becomes, one, that your idea uh, is just not, taken as seriously as what we think it should be. Again, it's these deep-seated things about uh, doing it the same way I've been doing it for on and on. So no matter what it is you come up with, no matter what your idea is, you're going to usually get some kind of resistance. You know, one of the good news ideas is that you get generally 
a lot of input. You get a lot of ideas. You get a lot of, boy, you know, you know, see what they're doing over here or in this place or that place. So th- that doesn't tend to normally be an idea unless you just, you know, stay within your four walls. There's all kinds of dealers edge webinars. There's all kinds of workshops. There's all kinds of, you know, 20 group meetings or conferences or books you can read. So assuming, and I am assuming, that you do get that kind of input, the question becomes, the conversion of that input into actionable ideas. What is it that I can do that takes what it is that I think is going to make me better into making it better? So, you know, it's not the lack of good ideas usually that stunts growth. Uh, What really causes us from getting better and better and better is this lack of execution. And it's caused primarily by change resistance. And we're going to talk here, you know, for the next uh, few minutes on what is it you can do about that? <clears throat> Excuse me. What is it that we can do to, to overcome or to change or to get a culture really, you know, working towards with passion, this new way of thinking about things, this new way of uh, reaching to higher goals? Uh, you know, what, what I see most often with, you know, those organizations, those dealership groups that fail to execute is that They've, they've, they've yelled wolf a lot, and the people get kind of used to them willing, yelling wolf. Like, you know, the dealer or the GM comes back from a 20-group meeting, and boy, do I have some new ideas, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So we roll out the new ideas, and then all of a sudden, you know, you know we say, you know, they roll their eyes. <laughs> Not often where you can see it, but they say, you know, and this too shall pass. Why? Because they want to stay comfortable. They don't want to take this risk of failure. They don't want to go out there and, and, and try something they've never done. They, they know typically, maybe you know, not in every organization, but typically if I just wait a day, a week, a month, this thing's going to go away like all of the others have as well. So we're going to talk today about the failure to launch, the failure to make the people that work for us accountable and this whole thing about failing to execute, remembering that, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, failure in and of itself. It's not just failure, you succeed. It's in that journey to success, there's going to be failure. And as we view this like that, you know, we know that Babe Ruth, you know, had a lot of strikeouts, right? So here are some very specific things, processes, activities, and, 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 and tactics that you can do today. Uh, to begin to increase your execution and, and begin becoming more of a growth, continuous learning company. One of them is, and one of the fundamentals, is simply you have to have this kind of communication where people know that, in, that whatever it was you wanted them to execute, you're measuring. So I think you know, one of the, the fundamentals is to meet with your entire management team, if you're a dealer or a GM, that you meet with your department heads, you know, sales, service, body, parts, Internet, F&I, using the work plans as your agenda. Uh, Work plans, any any idea that we've got that we want to see that it's executed needs to be documented someplace in some kind of work plan. That's going to help you reinforce the success and help you from uh, the team from uh, getting the champion is getting behind this entire thing. You know, you know what I sometimes see when I audit or monitor a, a manager meeting is I, I, I see the person conducting the meeting, the, the dealer or the GM looking over and say, hey, Bob, make a note of that, will you? 
hey, Sally, don't forget to do that. Well, yeah, that's, that's really generally useless data. Uh, there's, you've got to have some kind of a document, and I'll talk about this in a bit. But, you know, what we use most often is this Google Doc. It's free, it's no charge, and it's a collaborative Excel sheet. So rather than saying, hey, Bob, write that down, or Bob, sure we do that, you have some kind of a uh, uh, administrative assistant, some kind of a, a even even one of the participants, right, that can sit there and take the note. What is it we're going to do? Who's going to do it? Who's in charge? When they're going to start? What kind of resources are they going to need? When should it be done done by? And and this is documented in a collaborative uh, worksheet called Google Docs. I'm sure there's others out there as well. And, and this is reviewed uh, on a regular basis. If you don't review this stuff on a regular basis, at least weekly, your chances of succeeding, your, your, your chances of, of really launching this, this new idea are going to be dramatically diminished. Not an option. You've got to do that. Failure is not an option. And, you know, don't, don't let them start to talk about you know, the weather or the market or I'm no worse than somebody else or, you know, some of that, some of that other, other junk. Get the mirror in front of yourself. Get the mirror in front of your people and say, what is it that I can do differently? What, is it, what process can I change to allow us to, in fact, execute better this idea that we all know if we do it is going to increase our profitability? All this starts with, you know, what are we trying to do here? You know, what's the, what's the goal? What, what's, what's the uh, objective? And the key, or one of the keys, is be sure that you compare your performance against those that are the best at what they're doing. To, to simply sit and say, well, you know, it's okay or it's all, or it's all right, again, is, is without merit in terms of increasing your execution. I was with a client in uh, Ohio. They have uh, several stores Oh, a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at the service performance, and it's a domestic dealership group, uh, at least most of them are. We were looking at the hours per hour in service, as an example. And we're looking at 0.9 and one hour and 1.1, and everybody's kind of sitting back and, you know, having another sip of Coke. And I'm saying, excuse me, what, 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 what are we thinking about here? Why, why are we accepting this, this one or 1.1 hour? Well, you know, the first response is, well, that's the way it's always been, Steve, or, you know, that's just uh, uh, the best that we can do. Our customers are different. You don't understand, and on and on and on. Well, you and I both know that that's just garbage. That's just junk. That, that's, that's people telling us they don't want to change, and they try to, you know, uh, uh, substantiate that lack of openness to change by telling you it's okay the way it is. Well, you know, then the dealer, you know, starts to put a pencil you know, this whole thing, and he says, you know what? If we were to take these stores from uh, one hour to 1.4 hours, that's another $250,000 a quarter. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just a lot of juice. And he then said, you know what? I'm simply not willing to accept this any longer. Uh, your, your key here is to overcome a reputation. If, in fact, you have it, it's your false start a lot of things. That you've, you know, in the past said, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and you really haven't measured it well. You haven't had regular sessions on it. So people know that, well, and this too shall pass. So we have to, you know, learn how to, you know, get over that. 
things that we uh, tolerate or, or don't tolerate is going to be also a big part of uh, what our success is going to be. Uh, don't, don't tolerate. Don't, don't let people just tell you without data, without data, that well, our customers aren't going to like this, you know, or we tried that once and it didn't work, or, hey, you don't, you don't understand, I don't have the time to do this, or, you know, I'll start it later. That's all junk. You've got to get rid of the junk. You've got to look at them and say to them, that's, you know, I appreciate your input. I appreciate, you know, you're saying that. I need the data. The data supports, as my, uh, I was just speaking in a, a minute ago, the illustration is if the benchmark, if the best practices in that 1.5 hours per row, we are going to do that. So what are the things that those people are doing that allows them to achieve that that we're not doing? And we are going to do that. We're going to learn the process. We're going to train the process. We're going to measure compliance. And that's simply, you know, the way it is. You have to be sure, too, that they have the resources uh, to accomplish the idea uh, in getting this stuff done. True story, uh, oh, it's been maybe uh, three weeks ago, I'm working with a, oh, a medium-sized store, and I had a, uh, an, another low hour per RO situation. <clears throat> and, and they had one of those uh, fast uh, alignment machines. You know, what the, you know, they cost, what, 25 grand? A lot of juice. And I'm talking to the service manager, and I said, you know, what's our frequency, what's our percentage of usage of this alignment machine? Well, he says, Nicholson, I don't have time to do that. Well, I said, well, let's take a look at the data. Well, the data supported that he's using it for I think it was 8 to 8 to 9 percent of the time. They were even even measuring the stuff, let alone selling it. So, you know, Mr. Service Manager, what is it that prevents you from doing this 100% of the time or 90% of the time? To which he responded, you know the answer to this, right? I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I'm too busy. So, okay, why haven't you said that in the past? If, in fact, we had the new idea, the new investment, uh, piece in terms of asset management that we are going to get an ROI on this on this investment. Why don't you Why don't you say something? Why don't you Why Why, why would you just hide in the corner on this? To which he, yeah, you know they never have a good answer for that, right? So it, because that's the way it's always been. So if 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 we were to get to the ninety five percent benchmark on measuring alignments, what's what's going to take? Well, it needs you know I need some help. Okay. What, what, if I can take it from 10% to 95% and I sell, what, 20%, 22%, 24% of those vehicles that I do measure, alignment at what, I don't know, 80, 80 bucks, 100 bucks, you know, what's the gross profit of that and how does that offset from an ROI standpoint the cost of investing in that hourly person? I think that's a pretty easy decision to make, isn't it, from that standpoint in terms of what it's going to cost? Another example, let's say that you want to, you know, increase the sales of your used cars from uh, 40 to 70, and you say to yourself, you know, while we're not doing the 70, we're doing 40, what are the kinds of things we need to measure? What are the new, what, what are the new ideas that we're going to have to get actionable on to achieve these uh, uh, new outputs? What, what's different? So uh, just as an example from a strategic point of view, one of the things that, that I often find is you're trying to sell 70 cars with uh, uh, four salespeople or three salespeople or five salespeople. It's not going to work. Oh, it may, may work 10% of the time or, 
on the occasional month, but you've got to get the right number of salespeople, the right number of uh, people waiting on customers to be able to achieve those goals. If you, if you have a goal today of 100 vehicles new and used and you don't have 9 or 10 salespeople, in my humble opinion, unless you've got a couple of 30-car or 25-car-a-month salespeople, you need to change your goal. It's, it's, it's not going to go anyplace. All you're going to do is try to satisfy somebody who doesn't need the satisfaction. What they need is you're accomplishing the things that they set out to do. So you need the right number of salespeople. You need the right sales process. Uh, I ask people, you know, how many incoming sales calls did you have last month? How many appointments came from those calls? How many Internet leads did you have? How many appointments? How many showed? How many did you sell? Showroom? How many guests did you have? How many uh, of those did you convert to a first-time close? How many of those that you didn't close came back for another opportunity to, you know, to look again? I don't... I don't know how you improve processes. I don't know how you bring new ideas into any business today without those kinds of, of key performance indicators, the dashboard on the vehicle. <coughs> Excuse me. I need to know those, those things. And if you don't know it, you can take all this input about new ideas and just say, well, we're going to just keep on doing it like we've been doing it got to have the right inventory. you got to have the right size of inventory. You're not going to sell 50 out of 40. You've got to have the right type of inventory. Uh, and, you, and, and what I mean by that is you have to have the right type of uh, vehicles that the market is, is buying. Turns, turns. We're looking at the uh, market day supply. And you have to have a commitment to sourcing in this, in this market. i got another uh, uh, group that I... Uh, been coaching, and, and one of their challenges is trying to feed the elephant, trying to get enough used cars to to hit these goals. Well, we can all probably raise our hands on that, or at least most of us can. Well, the, the, the truth is, from my viewpoint, those people that are in the old model trying to feed the elephant by having a used car manager when they have time, or she has time, sit down and buy cars, doesn't work any more well. You just can't, you, you, you just don't have the resource on it. So this uh, five-store uh, chain, they hired a full-time person hourly. Uh, we helped train them, and, you know, they're buying, uh, well, last month it was in like 40, 46 vehicles. Right vehicles, right market day supply, right metrics. We give them parameters like we do a day trader so they know what the price to market needs to be at a, a certain uh, 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 gross profit, and they buy them. And, and they put up with a little junk from the used car managers occasionally. But once they kind of get it, once they understand that, that, that this is all being done by the data, not by the emotion, and people start seeing their paychecks increase, they start to uh, uh, come along with the program. Got to price them right. Uh, you know, what you paid for the vehicle, remember, has nothing to do with this. Uh, I had a dealer over in uh, Indiana that would take a used car trade or a purchase car and add $3,000 to it and put it out on the lot and pray. That kind of a new idea to execute that from, an ex from a success standpoint needs to be rethought. Remember, Trump turns Trump front rows. Turns Trump front rows. Those of us that are still sitting here um, myopically focused on front rows without looking at the F&I, without looking at the service internals, without looking at the additional trade-ins, without looking at just the activity 
are not keeping up with 2016, in my opinion. You've got to look at this as enterprise contribution to gross profit, and those dealerships that do that are uh, uh, making more net profit than those that don't. But you have to measure everything. For a, for a good idea to, to have life, to, to, to launch and stay launched, you've got to measure it. And you have to have the right compensation strategy to go, go along with that. Any time you have compensation that fights the goal, you're going to have challenges. Even as fundamental as you have a used car manager and a service manager and a parts manager, all paid on the silo is an old way of thinking typically today because it doesn't work as well as somebody who's focused on the dealership profitability. So we have to rethink some of this stuff. Same, same thing with salespeople. Those of us that are still paying on, on front gross are not getting the volume or the overall gross profit, in my opinion, that those that pay a flat or a, a, a certain amount per vehicle sold. And the reason is, is that people are shying away from those vehicles that have a, uh, a higher cost to market, lower gross profit, lower compensation. I shy away from it. So what's the result to you? Vehicle ages. And you know the cost of that, or at least you should, you know that that's diff difficult too. So next key, regular meetings with your managers, reviewing the KPIs of each department. Uh, it's, just, it's just not an option. It's a must for, for sales and service and body shop and used and, and all that stuff. You've got to have what is on my dashboard. And I've got to put them into a setting on a regular basis, I like weekly, where maybe for service I have seven things that we talk about. What is, what is your goal? Where are you trending? And, and how can I help you execute this idea, this change that you're apparently, you know, struggling with because we're not where we need to be. Need to be. Google Docs is a... I, a tool that we, I have, you know, literally hundreds of them. Expect the manager to keep those current. They need to update them before the meeting. That's why these uh, are used because they are collaborative. And, and don't, don't accept excuses. This is not, hey, Mr. Dealer, Mr. or Mrs. Uh, GM, I've been busy and I, I don't have time to do it. No, it doesn't work that way. Part of your job is to monitor the ongoing uh, tracking and success of these new ideas or, this, or these changes we said that we were going to take care of. Um, and you should be sharing, the manager should be sharing, if it's the service manager, needs to share, in my opinion, the basic data with his advisors and the technicians as well. For me to have a meeting with between my service manager and the dealer where we talk about uh, hours per RO and not share these types of goals with the advisors is going to leave you a little short. Remember, this whole thing, if we fail to execute, it starts with the top. If we fail to execute, it's not about pointing down to these people. This is a matter of the dealer, the GM, the department heads have got to understand that it all starts with them. If the leader thinks that just giving a person the manager title and they're going to handle it, you're doomed to failure. And so often I see that, well, I made him the manager. If I wanted to manage the department, i you know, do it myself. That's junk. Yeah, that, that's that's the 1960s. People, there's too too rapid of change out there. They need your input. They need your support. They're not used to executing well. So you need to take on, as the dealer or the GM, the responsibility of meeting on a regular basis with these people 
help them understand I'm here to support you. Takes us to really the next step, and that is that those organizations that execute, the managers usually, the dots connect, where they see themselves as a coach. I'm not a manager. I'm a coach. And maybe, just maybe, being an effective coach is the most important skill of any top-performing manager today that is executing, coaching, not managing, the ability to coach. You know, I see how you're doing that. I would do that differently. Here's the, you know, have you tried, you know, you know what, what can I do? I did a webinar, oh, I don't know, three or four months ago. It's been uh, very popular that, you know, you might want to uh, consider listening to. I think it's roughly an hour. It's no charge. There's the uh, uh, email address of that. Uh, down, download that and tell me what you think, would you please? I had a, a, an executive manager of an eight-store group up in Toronto that said it's the, the best uh, webinar he's ever attended. <clears throat> Your associates, the people that work for you, remember, they're not going to care any more about you or the company than you feel about them. Uh, part of the ability to execute is that they know that you're engaged. And people tell me, well, I, you know, say hi in the morning. Forget it. That is that isn't hack it. They need to know that you really do understand them. You know the kids' names. You care about them to raise their willingness to care and their ability to care about you. Essential to success in executing is you have to you have to block time for the important tasks. But those things that you want to be sure that you execute, you've got to you 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 you've, you've got to block the time. And if you don't, what happens is. And it's, you know, I've certainly been a victim of this. You come in in the morning and you're, you're raring to go and, you, you know, 5 o'clock rolls around and you are tired. You're exhausted. Your pie's gone. And you say to yourself, what did I really accomplish today? Well, you can't, you can't be a high-execution uh, manager and operate like that. What are, the, what are the important functions of your dealership? And block time for those. It starts with one-on-ones with your direct reports. I'm going to meet with my service manager Tuesday from 1 to 2. I'm going to meet with my uh, used car stakeholders uh, Thursday from uh, 10:30 to 1:30, and you block the time, and the meeting must go on. You know what you're going to find is that you know after a few weeks, and they see that you really mean it, they're going to be standing up outside your door waiting for that meeting. Why? Because they want to share this with you. They want to learn with you. They want to understand, you know, what is it that I can, you know, take away from this. Once you do your job, one-on-ones, block your main functions. Maybe it's a, uh, a used car meeting with everybody who's involved, the buyers, the wholesalers, the recon people. Maybe there's one on uh, F&I. Maybe there's one on marketing. Whatever those things are, whatever the components are in your business, that it's essential that you execute. You've got to block the time on a regular basis. I like to use the electronic calendar, and I give them all access to it, and that allows them to go into my calendar before the meeting and write down agenda items uh, to cover during that meeting. <clears throat> and I far prefer that to having them come ask me or interrupt me three times during the day with, you know, a minor situation. Can it wait? You know, can it, can it wait till our Thursday one-on-one? And what you find is once they know they're going to have this audience, generally it can wait. You know, the next thing is to remember that uh, execution comes most from your top producers, 
we can get in the habit pretty easily of just working with our, our lower producers. Uh-uh. The most productive, the highest execution groups, focus on your top producers. Spend time with them. The low producers are going to start to get it, that they're not going to get the time with you uh, as the others. For these one-on-one -on -one sessions, here's a, a kind of a sample agenda. And these can take 20 minutes or 30 minutes or, you know, I, I've had some take an hour if there's a, a lot going on. Something like, you know, hey, <clears throat> what's on your mind? What's going on? What are you thinking about? That should be, I don't know, five, five, ten minutes. It's certainly not the whole meeting. Review the key performance indicators. When you find something they've done well, applaud it. You know, John, I'm really proud of you. I know you struggled with this a bit in terms of get, getting it uh, uh, organized, but uh, congratulations on doing that. Coach the, coach the gaps. John, I know we said we were going to do 100 this month, and I know we're trending to 80. Let's you and I talk about those things, those activities that we could maybe improve upon. Going back to the slide I showed you seven or eight ago, sales, we're not selling enough cars. Do we have the right number of people? Do we have the right inventory? Do we have the right kind of inventory? Uh, and, and just trying to go through those activities, what about, what about, what about? Anything else I can do to help you? You're a resource. You're supporting them. And that's the way you ensure that you're going to get that kind of stuff executed. Well, you know, what's going to happen is as they start to see their uh, paychecks increase, uh, they're going to get higher levels of excitement. I remember I was working with a group out of uh, Evansville, Indiana, and they weren't doing any kind of walk-arounds in service. The technicians weren't doing any kind of inspection, and uh, the dealer was ready to close it or sell it or uh, fix it. And I went in and spent some time with the service department, and we... Uh, First, first month, we increased the gross profit, you know, $26,000. The one advisor gives, gives me a big hug, a girl, a lady, and said, man, I've never made so much money. So once, the, once they see it, once they understand that this is not a punishment thing, this is a matter of us, us all working together to improve the business, to ensure our, our long-term success. So don't quit with the first one. Keep them challenged. Become an environment of continuous improvement. Well, lots of ideas here, I hope, today that can get you started. <clears throat> the key now is that you have to decide, you know, what is it that's going to ensure that your dealership succeeds, right? And, and there's a lot of ways to look at it. There's at least three ways to look at it. You know, one is that you can <clears throat> learn how to best coach your people, uh, understanding their motivations, their behaviors, and getting them to believe that anything's possible. You start doing more one-on-ones more of a we-can-do-it uh, attitude, and uh, you must just simply commit to doing more coaching. Uh, that's, that's option one. I can tell you that I've had a lot of people that think that they can, you know, leave this kind of a, uh, a learning session, and maybe you're saying to yourself right now, man, this makes a lot of sense, and, you know, a week later, the key is, the key question is, what's different? How much coaching have I really done differently because of, uh, what uh, Nicholson shared. Another way uh, is to bring in another kind of a management layer, a director of fixed operations, a you know, variable manager, and you can do, do that, and that can work. The challenge is, number one, where do you find the person that can do that? Where, where do you find the person that has that kind of execution knowledge and, and directness and uh, accountability? And, and, you know, they're not free. So that's, that's option number two. Option number three 
is you could explore the options of partnering with a professional coach or professional coaching firm uh, like Nicholson Dealers Edge. And what we do is we're going to coach you, uh, should you choose to go that route, on how you build and you maintain all of the ideas until they become habit. You know, it takes a month or three months or six months or sometimes people people want to continue to learn forever, right? The, the key is that, that, that from an ROI standpoint, which is the way I think, you know, I make these kinds of decisions, is, is in fact it's going to be a good investment. Is my return on this investment going to be greater than my, than my expense? And I can tell you that, that, I don't know what the percentage is, but I, it's well over 90% of the people that we've worked with, that we've coached, that we've helped be better executors, because uh, it's not easy, right? I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, it's way different. It's sleeping on a different side of the bed. It's showering and shaving in a different order. It's not easy. And then to maintain it, and people aren't sure about it, uh, and, to, and to have a coach, you know, like a lot of people have coaches to help them through that. That would become option uh, uh, three. So covered a lot today. I uh, hope I've given you a lot of good ideas. First, the problems, why don't we do it well? Uh, and secondly, if I want to have it different, what are some of the things I have to do? We have to focus on what's the objective, what are we trying to accomplish, how do we get there, how do we measure that kind of stuff, uh, and, and just go from there. Uh, I've got the contact data of uh, Jim Munson and myself on the screen, and I'm going to be traveling around in different neighborhoods in the next, oh, throughout, throughout the summer, uh, in my uh, uh, motorhome, visiting markets and trying to help dealers visiting with them. Uh, if you'd like to uh, see if it makes sense to get on the schedule for a day to have me stop by, there's no charge for that. <clears throat> Just simply uh, get in contact with Jim or, Jim or myself. Congratulations on your desire and your willingness to learn. Uh, appreciate so many of you uh, signing on today and uh if I can be of any assistance, please be sure to give me a call personally. There's my cell phone number. My best to all of you for great selling. I'm Steve Nicholson. Have a great day.